This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is Love Sport. Good evening. We have lift off at Griffin Park, a victory over Derby at the weekend. We're going to be looking back at that match and hearing from what both Derby and Brentford fans had to say after the match about their team's performance. We're going to listen to the thoughts of head coach Thomas Frank and Ollie Watkins post-victory. The international break is now upon us, of course, and Brentford sending out over a dozen players on international duty. We'll discuss the club's international players, past and present. Plus, we're going to chat to Russell from the Three Lions podcast about the up-and-coming England games against Bulgaria and Kosovo and ask, with the quality of championship players improving should England not be looking to bring in championship players into the fold a lot lot earlier it's the Brentford fan show on Love Sport me Matt Beadle here with the guys from Besotted Billy the B Grant and Robin Hood I suppose that makes me Maid Marion of sorts I'll, I guess I'll let you guys. choose that one you can be Little John <laughs> or Maid Marion whichever one take your pick plenty to ponder over the next hours hour I should say sorry fellas Billy what is coming up well, you know, I mean, what's coming up in the show? You've already talked about what's coming up in the show, but let's talk more about just, you know, in and around the hive, as they say, and around the Football League. I mean, there's lots of talking points this week. We've gone into the international break, and normally you get a bit bored when the international break comes, but uh, not this time. We've had a few little interesting bits and pieces. I mean, obviously, uh, well, Force, what's happened to uh, um, Force as uh, our striker? Force, he's, he's gone missing, hasn't he? Yeah. You know, there was a rumour. We put out the rumour a couple of weeks ago and we just put it out there saying, is Force going out on loan? And we put a little question mark, which was a little teasing question mark because we had heard a little rumour back then. But obviously, if you put words like that, like, like that when you actually haven't got a striker covered, everyone goes, oh no, what's going on? So we just threw it out there and said, mm, Force going out on loan, which was a bit question marky. A lot of question marks come back and two weeks later, well, it's Well, obviously, it? AFC Wimbledon listened because, um, yeah, just news broke today that Marcus Force has signed on loan for AFC Wimbledon for. Uh, the rest of the season but on that today the very same day he's also penned a new four-year deal with Brentford Football Club Uh, so there's obviously a long-term strategy in place for force Um, and I think as Billy alluded to earlier the uh, the sale of Neil Mopay 
uh, and the lack of bringing in a recognised uh, striker meant that Force was a major talking point at Brentford this summer. But yeah, he's, he's moved to AFC Wimbledon for a season-long loan uh, and signed a new four-year deal with the club. So that's obviously part of his development plan. He's progressed from B team to first team and you know sporadic appearances, and now he's got um, hopefully uh, 40-plus games at the uh, slightly lower level to help build up his confidence and sharpness for the English game. I, for one, think it's a fantastic move. And I've been speaking to the AFC Wimbledon against uh, AFC Wimbledon chums uh, about the last week ago. They sort of came up and we were just talking about the possibility of him moving there. And they're very excited. I mean, they've said they very much need someone, you know. They need a bit of a fox in the box. They need someone who's going to, you know, going to do what he has to do. And, and we were talking about the re- um, um, force as well because this is a really important and big move for him because obviously he's on the on the verge of of getting into our side but he's not quite there he needs some time um playing and obviously Brentford have thought that you're not going to get the time that you want because the way that we're actually pushing this season obviously the signings that we've made we've made a number of signings are obviously pushing for a top six place so it's a lot of pressure for someone like him to actually try and give him a place so for him to go to AFC Wimbledon but not only just go there but actually prove himself and actually show that he's a good striker he can hold the ball up he could do the defensive things he could score goals it's a very very important move so it's a bit going to be a pivotal uh, year for, for Marcus Force this year. Yeah, absolutely. I read the quotes as well from Thomas Frank who said that he's probably the best finisher at the club at the moment. So it's just that, de- that development. We've actually had a tweet in to the show from the Nine Years podcast. You mentioned your chums at AFC Women and they've just asked, basically, should they be excited very, about Force? Very. Um, I think it was Edward the Headwood, a fellow uh, member of Bizotti, who... Uh, said, I think maybe two or three years ago, uh, he saw a B team game and said, keep an eye on force. Uh, every time I've seen him, he's just looked that really sharp, dangerous old school, uh, number nine up top. Hangs on the last defender, quick turn of pace, great finish. Um, he scored against Bournemouth in the preseason friendly, uh, in a sort of 20 minute, uh, end of the game cameo. Uh, yeah, I'd be very, very excited. And he scored ironically against AFC Wimbledon again. So if the if the if the, the AFC Wimbledon podcast guys were there, they would have seen him. He's the one that scored the first goal. Yeah. Um, I actually missed the goal because I was in the park because he scored it just after <laughs> half time. No, yeah, but, um, <laughs> but my daughter was there and she came running down saying, "I can't believe you missed the goal, Danny. What are you doing at the bar?" And, ah, yeah, it's, yeah. Obvi- it's obvious that the um, the coaching staff don't quite think he's championship ready yet, and I think a season in um, in one uh, a long stint uh, in the lower leagues will help build up his sharpness build up his confidence and build up his stamina I have to say I'm really unhappy with this actually as we're sitting there we're talking about um, force and, and things that are happening and then Sky have got the audacity to come up with deadline day two yeah. you know so we've managed to get rid of deadline day this nonsense end of the month deadline day but they have to put in this European day as deadline day two to try and make something out of it I, I had to mention it because it, uh, it was really bad but anyway let's let's move on let's talk to a, about a friend Rant over yeah, yeah <laughs> a friend of besotted um, Reese Cole um, he's been on our podcast we chat to him you know all the time a player that we'd love to see in the team and he tries really hard he's been unlucky with injuries he's been out on a few loans that haven't quite worked out and he's out on loan again isn't he yeah he's uh, moved to uh, Partick Thistle uh, until the end of the year um, on, uh, well it's a, I suppose it's a, I think it's a good move for him I think I'm not entirely sure what going to the Scottish second division quite does for his development as a footballer um, but that's to remain to be seen um, a lot of people have sort of earmarked him as a bit of a club, leg- uh, club legend Sam Saunders 2.0 very very good free kick taker uh, midfield not the quickest but it doesn't need to be because he can just deliver the ball really really well um, he's an amazing free kick taker he scored some wonderful goals in friendlies and in B teams uh, and I think he was at Macclesfield on loan uh, for a stint last season uh, so I guess you could call uh, Partick Thistle a step up from Macclesf- Macclesfield in terms of uh, footballing quality probably but um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that works out hopefully it works out for the best for him but it's it's clear that our midfield is quite crowded 
There was also a lot of chat at length really last week regarding Berry and Bolton and those situations. We know how it's gone. One has gone, effectively the other one has survived, Billy. Yeah, and, and, and we just thought it's, it's worthwhile mentioning. Uh, I spoke to uh, Lionel Vienna Suite only today, actually. I, I drove down to Southampton for the day to take my son to a, to a new school down there, and I, um, I'm no more Shrewsbury anymore. And, um, and I was chatting to uh, the Lionel Vienna Suite guys who are very, very happy. And I say happy because they thought that, you know, it could have gone either way for them. And now they feel at least they have got a bit of a future. They're going to sign some players. They've got a new manager. And they said the atmosphere on Saturday at Gillingham, where they brought 742 fans, if I remember rightly, off the top of my head. Um, approximately yeah. that's right they said it was a very very good atmosphere and, and they're, they're very optimistic and you know whatever happens in the short term is going to happen but in the long term you know they think things are looking a lot better for Bolton Wanderers as well great you know? news that very is of news. course wonderful news now we're going to talk about the game on Saturday gents of course we are you were hard at work again getting your audio from Derby and Brentford fans we're going to hear now what we're gonna, those fans are we we're going gonna... to hear in a minute yeah we're going to hear what the fans are going to say but we were just thinking as well because the fans are talking about it, as you said. Yeah. Um, uh, in the game, where we always go and we get the responses from the fans. But, um, but, but, but the question that we thought, and we were just asking ourselves as we were coming up in the lift here, or beforehand, actually, we were in the production meeting in the pub. We said, you know, the derby match um, on, on Saturday, um, it was a great result. And as we, you know, we talk about this from you week in and week out about us. We're so close and we've got the XG and the chances and it's not quite happened for us. And bang, we go in and knock in three goals mm. and then the international break comes. And the question we're asking, do you think the international break has come at the wrong time? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, after on the back of a 3-0 victory at home, first home win of the season uh, and a convincing one at that. Uh, it's it's never a good time to go into an elongated break. Luckily, as we're going to come on to later, we've got a few um, international players uh, who will be still be getting some game time, still be getting their, keeping their fitness up slightly. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't think it's a very good time for an international break. But that's what happens when you move up the leagues. We had <laughs> plenty of years down in League One and League Two where we didn't have to worry about missing football for two weeks. Uh, but now that we're in the Championship, it is what it is. Again, and it's a bit of a difficult one because obviously we would say that no at the moment now. But if you speak to a Derby fan, they say they can't wait for the international break to come and there's a certain other teams that can't wait so that they can actually I mean you know I mean the, the words that they say about Koku and everything like that they're like he needs this international break to get take a good look at himself is some of the words that my derby mates are actually saying so I think it obviously depends on what side of the fence that you're standing on at the moment now but for us we get a little bit of momentum I don't think it's that bad for us as well because I still think that we need a little bit more time in training to gel even though a lot of the players are going away so I think two weeks away actually might do us a little bit of good and we can come back a bit fresher for the Preston game. Yeah, absolutely. Side Ben Rama off to play for Algeria. And Buemo's going to the French under-21 side as well, I believe. But you did say you spoke to those fans after the game. Here's what they had to say. It was really good. First half was fantastic. Speed, playing in their half for the first time really this year. Maybe a bit dull gave us the confidence, but you could start to see what we can do this year, particularly in the front field. Defence looks solid. After against a reasonably good derby team. First half, especially, some fantastic football out there again. We, uh, I'm saying in the pub before this game, I thought maybe we'll take another two or three months to properly chill on that, but it happened that first half. The goal gave us confidence to take the game to them, and after that, there was no looking back. Obviously, derby are a decent team. They came out to the second half then, but you just felt... We've got enough to see games out now. Defence was immaculate. Clean sheet, wonderful. Steve's some um, people just do nothing. Corrupt FM, Steve. What is the corrupt FM view on this one? 
Well, it was a beautiful victory, wasn't it? It was easy runnings, really. We went out first half to control, and then we just partied for the second half, really. That's what I was doing anyway. I was just sort of, I didn't even really watch most of the second half. I was just like hanging out like, with the boys in the bar, really. But yeah, it was sick, to be honest. Like, I would say uh, we just got to do that every week, and then we'll win the uh, World Cup or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's just nice. Just a nice vibe today. Really lovely. Um, also, I think Corrupt FM are going to all, like, all the boys and that are going to come down on the 2nd of October. So if people come down that day, they might hear some tunes, like a few garage tunes maybe getting played and maybe like we might just be knocking about a little bit. So, 2nd of October, Corrupt FM, the whole lot will be down here at Griffith exclusive. Park. You know, exclusive here on Episode Brother, let's run the podcast. We're really the B out here. Just can rep in. Yeah, absolutely fair result. Derby County didn't turn up today. Uh, I thought there, were, there wasn't much going on in that first half until the goal, then a double salvo completely killed us. And uh, we didn't react, and you got on top of us, and we looked like an absolute shambles. And I think, uh, as we just talked about off air, I think you're maybe a few months ahead of us on the project, on the Dutch project. And uh, Derby don't seem to know what they want to do with the ball at the moment and Philip Cockley doesn't seem to know what his best team and best formation is right now. Our three best players are all on loan last season. Tamori was our player of the season. For us on the Steve Blue's Washing podcast, Mason Mount was our player of the season and Harry Wilson scored uh, 18 goals, our top goal scorer. So I think we've signed quite well in the summer but we haven't replaced the goals of Mount and Harry Wilson. You know, for me, that was the Birmingham game with goals. I mean, it wasn't... You know, it wasn't an out-of-character performance. It's what we've been doing all season, but today we scored goals. We scored goals early, confidence runs through the team, and, um, you know, and, and when the confidence is running, you things come off for you more than when it's not. And when we go 1-0 down, you know, it, we, we struggle. And I just thought today that first goal was massively important. And, um, and from then on, we controlled the game. Look, I'm just pleased that we're creating chances and we actually stuck a few away today. Um, whatever's been worked on the training ground, whatever shape we saw today, you know, I like Canos and um, Henry pulling wide, like literally hugging the touchline the whole of the first half. I like Pontus getting us up the pitch. There was, there was definitely a difference there compared to previous games and it seems to be effective. But I liked us today. I was very pleased with it. Keep creating the chances. I think it's going to come good for us this season. Come on, you beats. Well, that was the fan reaction from both Derby and Brentford fans after that 3-0 victory at the weekend. Next, we're going to be getting more from Billy the B. Grant and Robin Hood. Love Sport. This is the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, here with the guys from Besotted. Billy, Billy the B. Grant, sorry, and Robin Hood. Now, we heard from the fans before those ads, gents. I just want to hear your opinions on the weekend's game in terms of the team gelling now. Now, Thomas Frank has spoken. We're going to hear from Thomas Frank later on as well. He's spoken about the fact that it took a bit of time, but the team now seem to be knitting themselves together. I think that's uh, I think that's 100% true. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really difficult. When you're a football fan, you're out there and they're not doing the things that they're meant to do. You get frustrated, especially as they spent as much money as they spent. You expect it all to happen in the first day. The signs were there that the they were, the, 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 the buds were there like I said to you when they were playing but it just wasn't quite working for them but you could see week on week they were getting better for example um, Brian 
Buemo, actually, is his name. We've heard it's not, mm, but it's Buemo. Just Buemo. Yeah, and Brian Buemo, he, um, first game, he looked like a rabbit in the headlights. But after second, third game, he looked like he's getting better and better. And then this game against Derby, I mean, he was just like, he was a unit, but also he's really fast. He can actually head the ball. And you could just basically tell that he'd actually spent more time on the training pitch. He actually knew his teammate's name. He knew exactly where to go, exactly what to do. You know, that's great. Um, he was really good. And also, having Saeed Benrahma in the side, you don't realise how much having these key players in your side, what a difference it does make. You know, he could pick up the ball, he runs with them, all of a sudden he's on the left-hand side, he's in the middle, he does things that people don't expect them to do, which just throws players off. So, you know, people were talking about, you know, and the question that we asked, um, and we were asking again in the production meeting before, you know, were Brentford uh, really good on Saturday or were Derby County terrible? I think we put ourselves down if we said that, you know, Derby County were really terrible and we weren't good because also we played so well that I think that they, you know, they it made it really difficult for them to be anything but <laughs> but look really poor against us and, you know, okay, they, they did lack a bit of a bit of energy and they looked like they didn't know what they're doing half the time but... Um, but we were really good, and I think that's a, as a result of the training that they've put in, and they actually understand. Because I think that Thomas Frank, if you've met him, he's a really intense guy, and he's a really clever guy, and he wants people to do things in a particular way. And we saw this when he came in to Brentford in his first eight or nine, ten games, where we basically lost them all. I think that maybe he's kind of telling people to do stuff, and for these guys, it's just like it's probably just too much because it's two or three levels above. And it's going to take him a bit of time to actually kind of understand and get to know how to do those things. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it was a marked improvement in terms of being uh, more clinical. Uh, I think that you, you can't have doubted the the passion and the enthusiasm and the general sort of quality of the football we've been playing so, so far this season. Uh, but th- today we just, oh sorry, at the weekend we just looked so dangerous going forward. Um, if, if you look at sort of the the XG, which we'll go into in a second, but we were so much more clinical with the chances that we should have been scoring. And um, I think that was a key point today. And I think the, the work uh, and the link-up play between Watkins, Ben Rama, Boemo, Canos... Uh, against and it it just all seemed to gel. Uh, I think what we should be uh, as Brentford fans, we shouldn't just think right, okay, that's it, our team's ready. It's it's still you know ten new players, lots of them from uh, foreign divisions, lots of them young. It's going to take a little bit more time, but uh, the signs were definitely there today that we've not only improved our um, our defensive uh, d- defensive capabilities with the introduction of Pontus Janssen, Ethan Pinnock, those kind of players, and that we are still playing great football, but we're being more clinical up front as well. I mean, the defence was was brilliant on Saturday. The goalkeeper did have anything to do you know um so from those sort of things you realize well we're not going to lose the game but if if you're anyway disappointed and you sound like you're getting really greedy now like you know so if you're hmm. anyway disappointed about saturday the reality is that we should have actually probably scored about six hmm. so if you're talking about these games again where you should be doing what you're doing you know i mean again we talk about xg the xg was off the rocker better than any side in any other division basically we created the best chances and the most and the best chances out of anyone in that division and i went through that night and i was flicking through all the other teams to see what they were doing and a lot of them were on sort of like you know 1.1 0.8 1.3 three. 3.01 xg which is really really quite high and it's like big bubbles in front of the goal bang really really good opportunities but so that was fantastic but in principle if we'd scored more of those chances we would have won 6-0 because we could have done because we were you know there was other people scoring goals from lesser chances than that so if, if i'm i shouldn't be so harsh on my team because they did very well on saturday <laughs> but um we could have done better we absolutely could have done better, and I, don't, and I think that that's it's a fair reflection of the match. Is that our XG was three point zero one, and we scored three goals, and I think that that tells you the story there. 
Yeah, absolutely. And two from Ollie Watkins. We'll get on to him later. In terms of the right-hand side, Thomas Frank spoke a lot about that. Sergi Canos really impressing down that right-hand side. And Dalsgaard at centre-back as well. Sergi Canos was unbelievable. Sergi plays. Sometimes he's okay then he has a, a good 20 minute spell but I think it's a little bit of a tactical genius um, in this one On if you listen to the uh, Besotted Pride of West dot London podcast last Thursday we actually mentioned on the podcast about the way that Derby play we say that you know they're weak down the flanks so you know if you hit them down the flanks we'll actually really get them and so I think what Thomas Frank did he said tell you something I'm going to get our winger make him play right wing back okay and then we've got Mbuemo as well on the wing so you've got two of them supporting each other and then we've got the guy who can actually he could play football putting him on the right centre-back position as well so you've got a ball playing centre-back out there as well so we had a little bit of a few problems playing the ball out from the back beforehand because they were still learning that game but now putting Dalsgaard in there it's really 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 helped that situation so we looked much more comfortable in that defensive situation but also we had that I mean we were just we were were smashing them we were were destroying them down the wings we were absolutely and I I don't know if Thomas Frank is listening but we don't mind him taking uh, tactical tips from Bizotted and us uh, here at Pride of West (laughs) Island but we would like a little bit of recognition for it. Uh, I, I'm going to say something that might a lot of people, uh, a lot of Brentford fans might disagree with. Um, I think Kenos has played himself into the starting position at right wing back. I think he's, whilst there are, whilst there are other teams that are going to be a bit more difficult offensively that are going to test his defensive capabilities, um, I just think having him there is such an asset, such an outlet. Uh, and I think Dalsgaard has his, certainly has his place there as well. He's tall, he wins... It's nine out of ten headers. He's absolutely brilliant. But Canos, Canos on against Derby was just out, unplayable. Well, Thomas, if you are listening, you're about to hear your very own <laughs> dulcet tones right now. We're going to hear what he had to say after the game. I think all of us who's involved in this club, from staff, players, fans, uh, we're looking forward to uh, a first half performance uh, as we put in today. Uh, very pleased and, and happy and, and proud of the players. I think they did fantastic, especially the first half. Second half, you can see that we still. You know, I think it was five or six unbelievable, unbelievable situations where we should just, you know, kill the game with four and five nil. Um, but that's the next level. That's where you can see we still need, need you need to, to improve a bit over time. Um, but yeah, very satisfying. I think one thing we need to be aware of is that this is a, you don't have time, but this is a new team. Uh, t- today there was definitely five new starters compared to last season. There was three, two or three players in new position-ish. Uh, Henrik as a right centre-back, Sergi as a wing-back, of course he's played it before. Oli as a nine. And those relations, th- that, that organisation, that structure we want, you could see that it, w- it was looking promising in the last five games, but today it just clicked more. And then I also need to say that I think um, having Seed back in the lineup starting, having Brian in the lineup starting, and Oli and that just gave us so much offensive power going forward that we are a big threat going forward. And uh, I think also, of course, I would have been even more happy if we had more points. But but I like that it actually take it need to take some time to get things going uh, because it's it's not we're actually working during the week <laughs> in terms of making the team better the players better make it clicking and that's the next thing I want to say thank you to the fans uh, unbelievable atmosphere out there today but also for their support throughout yeah, always but also throughout the f- first five games because all of us have uh, big dreams and uh, farewell season and, and all that but but they've just been been so good and it was nice to um, to show that it's a new team and we need that patience. There will still be some, hopefully, even bigger highs than today. 
but also be some downs because it's not 100% clicking yet. But that patient has been massive for us. Everybody could see that we lacked goals, especially against Charlton. And now we got the three goals. We could have got more, but we can't, you know, let go of that defensive solidness that we've shown in the first uh, five games and we showed again today. I don't even think they had a chance today. That's right. That's snappy. It's the way he does it in the videos as well. He does it with proper vigour. Oh, does he do like that? Not quite like that. Not quite that straight. But interesting stuff. Yeah, well, like I said, Thomas Frank, he, he, you know, he's passionate. He knows, you know, he he knows what he's doing. And I, like I said, to you, I think he just maybe sometimes takes a bit of time to get his his ideas across and get people kind of working on the same sheet as what he does. But when it does work, it is actually really brilliant. And uh, it was, I think, the most interesting point about it is that he's even put his hand up and said, you know, it was really good, but it was still work to do on this. And it, he knows that it was you know we look the xg we think this is brilliant but he's like thinking no this could even be better than that he knows that we should have scored five goals or six goals on saturday um you know we talk about ollie watkins as well he even said that he thought that you know we should have scored more goals so i like the fact that the team are humble enough to know that even though they've played really well actually it's probably not good enough so i'm not hmm. the only person here who's actually <laughs> criticizing them like you know what i'm saying but i'm criticizing it with a positive criticism i just think that you know it's quite exciting to know that we can actually even go up a couple of levels yeah i think i think i feel very much on the ground I think it, it's always a good sign when players come out come out from a 3-0 victory and still say that there was room for improvement I think and I, yeah I totally agree with Thomas Frank that it was one of the best performances it's certainly the best performance I can remember at Griffin Park in the first half in a long time and he seemed more upbeat than well he always seems upbeat anyway and he, we always say that he's very methodical after the shows but he, he seemed in, in really good mood really fine fettle didn't he he was in good mood and like I said he said on, on another interview that this was the best performance and particularly in the first half that he'd split in his whole time at Griffin Park so and he's been there for three years he's not been there for like a few months he's been there you know a couple of years with Dean Smith and this so basically he's like this is even better than one of the Dean Smith's performances just <laughs> throwing it in there like you know so yeah. so uh, I thought that was good absolutely and it was I believe more goals in 45 minutes in that first half than in the previous 450 for Brentford a man responsible for two of those was a man making his 100th appearance for the club that was Ollie Watkins here's what he had to say after the game we were on the front foot um, we started quicker than them uh, we were brighter than them all game stronger um, every department we were better than them today so um, we deserved to win and um, yeah they didn't really um, cause a threat against us today he's getting there isn't he Ollie? that first goal great counter attack for the first goal but the second goal not the easiest to finish is that and he made it look quite straightforward yeah he did and, and, and again that's quite similar to the goal that he scored up at, at Borough as well you know where it was a really work ball the ball comes in from the from the wing and then bang back of the net and uh, you know he said like I said a couple of weeks ago bear with me because I'm still learning my game so the question is is Ollie a number nine you know we were talking to the Arsenal boys who you know who coming out the studio just now and they're saying to me you know we were at the Charlton game last week and that Watkins is a good player but he's not a natural striker is he? he keeps playing like a winger you know he's playing played up front and we do understand that point but you know he's scored, he scored four, you know four goals for us already you know that, that you know if he keeps scoring like that he could be a 25 30 goal a season not striker mm. you know i think i'll have some of that yeah exactly no he's he's i think all of his goals this season have come from within 10 yards of the goal or something like that and he's always found himself in that striker's positions i think last season with neil mope we didn't have as many we he, we relied on him a lot for the goals and i think apart from Sawyers and ben rama there weren't the, really those players that were providing that supply line of chances if that makes sense but now i think it looks like players like mbwemo ben rama Jensen, Canos, Rico Henry to a certain extent. I think we've reinforced the supply line 
in, in terms of chances that are going to be created. So um, I think Ollie Watkins has still got a lot of work to do in terms of uh, f- fulfilling his role as a fully-fledged number nine. Uh, but he's got all the talent to do it, and I think we just need to be a little bit patient with him. He's not Neil Mopé. He's not going to be you know, causing scoring um, 28 goals a season, I don't think, this year. But with a bit of patience and a bit of time, I think he'll be there. Yeah, good stuff. Right, it's the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. We're going to be looking ahead to the international break next. This is Love Sport. This is Love Sport and the Brentford Fan Show with the guys from Besotted. Now, we're going to move on to the international break now, chats. More than a dozen players on international duty for the Bees. Yeah, it's, a, it's very. These days, we're very, very proud to be Brentford fans because we've got so many players sort of representing us um, at international duty. And yeah, it's an exciting time. So we've got a few uh, players away uh, on international duty. We've got Pontus Janssen, Obviously, is a was a major talking point over the summer. Um, he's got a call up for Sweden, so he's going to be travelling to the Faroe Islands and then back to Sweden to uh, face Norway. Uh, they've had a re- relatively good. Um, uh, campaign so far for, uh, four played four one two drawn one lost one they're currently third in their group this is in the European Championship European Championship sorry, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I mean they lost three nil to Spain but other than that they're doing really really well um, and I think yeah he's, he's he's a player that's very very much very much made his mark at Brentford already and I think I can see him doing the exact same thing at international level he's just real class um, and then we've also got Henrik Dalsgaard who's uh, Played for Brentford for the best part of two years now, I think. Um, and yep, he's representing Denmark, uh, where it's Gibraltar and Georgia. Established Denmark established. Uh, international, he is. Yes, he is. Mm. 20 caps now, I believe, yeah. Um, and then, yep, they're unbeaten in their uh, European Championship qualifying campaign. Uh, they've got, uh, yeah, like I say, Gibraltar and Georgia. They're two games that are very, very winnable. So just quickly, I'm going to ask you as well, because you've yeah. been doing the analysis. So you're saying that it looks like you think that Sweden might actually qualify for the Euros as well. You're thinking by looking at their group and also um, Denmark as well. well Denmark, are t- Denmark are second from a group of five and Sweden are third from a group of six. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Sweden have got Romania, Norway, Malta, Spain, Faroe Islands in their group. So that, that that's I think they should be finishing second there. Um, maybe, you know... A, contest with Norway for the second position uh, with Denmark they've got Georgia Gibraltar Switzerland and Ireland they should they should definitely be qualifying okay no, because I'm not counting our chickens we'll talk to Russell a little <laughs> bit but you know hopefully they'll be joining England who you know we're, they're thinking they should qualify as well and we'll talk about that European Championships later so it'll be interesting to have all these Brentford players all in one tournament together as well Kamal Makocho he's not going to uh, the European Championships though is he no he is going to Zambia though yes uh, South Africa Fana Fana, they've got a um, uh, friendly against Zambia away so that'll give Kamal some game time over the international break which is very very good I think it's something that he, he needs uh, having not really played full 90 minutes for Brentford so far this season uh, also Julian Janvier um, is representing Guinea at the African Nations Championship uh, the first leg of the second round of that is away at Senegal um, and I think that's just a fantastic opportunity for him because he's going to be playing with players like uh, Naby Keita from Liverpool who's a Champions League winner uh, and in that same breath uh, announced this weekend is that Saeed Benrahma has been called up for, to the Algeria squad for um, same for the uh, uh, the same tournament, and he was in the African Cup of Nations squad before be succumbing to in- injury at the start uh, start of the summer, which was a real, real shame. I think he could have really set that tournament alight. Uh, but he's going um, to be representing them in a friendly against Benin uh, on, I believe, the ninth. Uh, and I'll be interesting to see that because he'll be playing with players like uh, Sofiane Faguli from Valencia, who at one top point played for De- Valencia, and Riyad Mahrez, a Premiership winner. So you've got all our. This is what instills a sense of pride in me as a Brentford fan. Is we've got our players from you know little old Brentford in. Uh, West London who are rubbing shoulders and 
becoming teammates with Champions League and Premiership winners. I think it's absolutely fantastic. You know, which is good. And I think, you know, it's great as having these internationals go out. And when we were playing sort of, you know, Accrington and, and South End in the third and the fourth divisions, you know, we were, you know, we'd actually be really proud if we are like be the only team to actually have our game called off due to international duty because we'd have <laughs> like Herman Horidison or something like that playing for us. And But it's a very rare moment. But on the other side, we actually sort of think that we'd like to keep our fingers crossed that no one goes out in international duty so that no one gets injured and everyone has a nice little rest so when we come back we're equally powered up so like I said to you there is a we're sort of a victim of your own success sometimes but we can't really moan about it because it's all really really good times as well but I mean talking about old school Brentford players and you heard me mention a few names there of course we've got this you know wealth of players now and it shows the standard of the championship it shows the standard of players that we're signing at the moment now the fact that teams international teams who are highly regarded national international teams are re- willing and ready to pluck Brentford players out and put them into their squads but back in the day we used to have quite a few international players as well that we were very proud of and but it was a different level of international wasn't it it was a different kind of it I mean you've mentioned Herman Horidison you know represented this, yeah. yeah he represented <laughs> Herman, um he represented Iceland 12 caps one goal whilst we whilst he was with the bees um other than that it wasn't until recent times that we actually started getting some notable international call-ups if that makes sense and I'm not taking anything away from these players by the way if they are listening um back in uh, the year 2000 Julian Charles remember him yeah, I believe he was a le- left back Left centre half left back or something like that. Um, he represented Saint Vincent and the Grenadines. Uh, for t- got two caps for that uh, for them, which is a hell of a hallmark. Um, we also had Niall Thompson in 1998. He was oh, only with us. Canadian. Yes. How the how did you know that? Yes, that's, I remember him. Some very eclectic knowledge there. Yeah, Niall Thompson represented represented Canada once in 1998. Um, going to slightly more recent uh, times, uh, Marcus Bean, uh, Brentford club legend, absolutely lovely bloke as well. Um, represented Jamaica once uh, in a substitute appearance against Honduras. Uh, but funnily enough, that was at a time where uh, I think it was Wigan Athletic signed Minor Figueroa, Hugo Rodriguez, and Wilson Palacios, and they oh, went on yes. to have reasonably good careers. So that, I'd call that a noteworthy a noteworthy international appearance. And also, there's another player as well that you from back in the day that you don't remember, Ricky Shakes, Shakes, Shakes. I got Ricky the Ricky, Shakes. Ricky Shakes. That's right. So Ricky <laughs> Shakes, who played for us and uh, from the Bees as well, he actually featured, and I think he still does play for Guyana as well. I know that because my mate Faisal is actually the chief scout for Guyana, and uh, Michael Johnson, who used to play for Derby and Birmingham City as well. He's actually the manager who took him to the Gold Cup. Who's actually congratulations to him, and I'll talk about this a little bit later. He's actually been made an England under twenty one coach as well now. And I chatted to him. I sent him a little message today, and I chatted to him a couple of weeks ago. But yes, Ricky Shakes. Guyanese international. We did actually have a player between 1988 and 1991 that represented us 20 times for an esteemed international team. That was uh, John Buttigieg. I'm not into Buttigieg. Yeah, um, Malta. Yeah, Malta. The, the Maltese Fan- the Falcon. Malta. He was an absolute <laughs> Maltese Falcon. Yeah, is it was... fair to say that I wasn't alive when he was actually playing? No, you <laughs> weren't. There's a, there's a story about that which I'm not sure that we can go around. But let's just say that um, John Buttigieg. <laughs> Buttigieg. What um, a name. He uh, he he. He, he he was a he was a hero under Brentford fans. They loved him, and then there's a few rumours going around that there's a little bit of shenanigans between himself and a a, a member of staff, quite a senior member of staff's um, um, other half as well. So that was just a rumour that's going around, allegedly, allegedly, and then Butajis was never to be seen anymore. <laughs> Double allegedly, just to, just to confirm, very yeah. allegedly. Yeah. Just just quickly before we move on, chaps. Uh, in terms of those likely to get capped in the next few years, you've got a few names here. 
Um, well, just no, it's just looking. Tell you, this is a bit more fun. You know, in the Brentford squad, there are a few players that have not been capped as yet. And who do you think? I mean, Ollie Watkins, I think, is a prime example. I think Brentford feel that Ollie is going to go all the way. They thought that all the time. And it's interesting to see that they've actually given him a new contract and he's agreed to have a new contract. So he wants to do his building with Brentford. But they, you know, there's one time they said to me that, you know, he's, he's basically one of the best players that they've ever bought or ever produced. So that's that's the belief that they have in Ollie Watkins. I'm a little bit more sceptical about him. I think he, this is a very important two, two... I think the next two years are very important that he makes his mark uh, if he wants to get to that international level. That's of, just my opinion. Of course, but, you know, he's only, he's only young. He's like, yeah. you know, he's still fairly young. He's playing a position that is a very, very, you know, difficult position. You know, you're talking about striker, a forward-type position. So, for Oli, you know, he's, he, he needs to grow. And, OK, he didn't... Last season, he didn't have the best season. Yeah, the rumours that he had the injury with the toe that he was playing through. But, you know, I thought he looked like a man on fire at the beginning of the season in the friendlies. I thought he looked really good. He looked trim. He looked really fit. And sometimes that's that's what you need. Sometimes you have a, a not a, not so good a season before to actually make you better. And it's a learning process. And he's, he's very young. And I think he's going to be a... Because he's got the right attitude. Attitude is so important with these players. And he's such a nice bloke. And he's got the right attitude. He talks in the right state. He's got good mannerisms. And he's, and he's a really nice person to be around. First name that comes to mind for me for a future call-up, Rico Henry. Um, he's got everything. All he needs to do is work on his fitness, but left wing-backs and left-backs are so important in today's game. Um, and if he keeps himself fit and gets a good run of seasons under his belt, he'll be an England left-back one day, I reckon. Good stuff. Well, well said, chaps. Billy, you have been to Belgium recently. You were out there to watch the women's England, the England women's team Sorry, play Belgium in a friendly, and you bumped into a certain man, a Mr Russell Osborne of the Three Lions podcast is delighted to say he's on the line now. Russell, how are you doing? Evening, yeah, well, thank you. Yourselves? Yeah, very good, thank you. I hear you bumped into Billy in Belgium. I did, yeah. There's a, uh, there's a saying, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a thoroughly enjoyable day. Yeah, it was a really enjoyable day. I mean, I said to Russell, um, I'd, I'd sort of seen Russell about and I wanted to try and catch up with him, but I hadn't caught up with him. And I went to the bar, of course, as you do, and I come out and I see him standing there. Oh, you're that podcast guy, aren't you? So we sort of kind of hang out for the rest of the day. I was there with my daughter. He was there with uh, one of his mates from Norwich down there as well. And uh, yeah, we had a really good day and we saw a, a really different side of sort of English football, didn't we, Russ? Yeah, I mean, that was the first time I've, I've actively been and watched a, a women's game of, of any nature. Obviously, I've watched them on the telly and on, obviously during the summer, got really excited about it. That was the first time I've seen them in the flesh and, and I, was, I was really, really taken by it all. I really enjoyed the day. Yeah, I mean, it was a good day. It's a good day out. Like I said to you, about 300 England fans went there. Um, mm. You know, uh, again, my, my, I'll talk about my daughter because she's really got really into football and really into the England game as well. So she went to a lot of the games at the World Cup and she said the first thing to me, listen, we need to go to Belgium. And so, you know, we went out there. She feels part of it because it's something that she can actually kind of, you know, she, she can, she, she feels that she's got a bit of ownership for it. You know, and I say to anybody who's got, you know, who's got daughters, who's got kids and you feel you want to sort of take them to football or different football you should definitely take them to the England women's game definitely take them abroad because again you could do the same thing that we do go go to a bit of tourism go and go and see a few different places Leuven what a beautiful city as well that isn't it oh it was lovely I mean I've been to Brussels before but 20 minutes outside of there was this fantastic town called Leuven like yeah. a, a bit of a student town but it's got its architecture and all that and, and the, the ground was a, was a 15 minute walk away and it's, it's used by the Belgium second division team so it's, it's of high standard it was yeah, it was a, a, a good experience all round. That's right. And we saw a few goals as well. It's 3 all. You know, England were tuning it up. And, uh, you know, looked like they were cruising. And then afterwards, they were 3-2 down. 
they got the penalty and they came back to three all where Nikita Paris scored the penalty and my daughter who actually got some chocolate especially made for Nikita Paris in Brussels and she uh, she she actually said that she wanted to give it to her and at the end of the game she actually managed to give this specially made chocolate to Nikita Paris number seven as well said Nikita seven on it yeah so she was uh, yeah she was very very delighted about that yeah so it was really wicked you know but we're going to have a little chat about the England men's team as well but the first thing I have to say and uh, and it's an interesting moment as well because a friend of Besotted and friend of myself big big friend of mine Chris Powell um, the ex-Charlton manager as a lot of people know him but managed a lot of teams as well and coached a lot of teams including Derby County and Huddersfield Town Um, he's joined the England uh, manager Gareth Southgate's coaching staff um, part of the Football Association's programme designed to solve the challenge of underrepresentation of black, Asian and minority ethnic BAME coaches within the game so Chris is now part of the, the England team I actually choked to him a little bit early today he's very 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 excited very very proud to be part of the England team as well and also a little chat to Michael Johnson as well who um, ex-Birmingham City and ex-Derby County player as well who's also England under 21 coach he's just been given he actually guided Guyana to the Gold Cup as I said uh, in this summer which is the first time they've ever been to the Gold Cup so it's quite interesting having these two players as part of the setup, isn't it um, Russ? Yeah I mean I, I've literally just seen that news in the last half hour I've been out all, all day pretty much and just seen that and it's it's good It's they've, they've obviously got the pedigree we, we know what um, they've done in the past and now they've got the opportunity to be part of this England setup and and help what's happening at St James's Park and and then uh, and then go to St George's Park, um, and then go go their their own way from there. Um, no, I think it's it's a good appointment for on both guys there. That's right. Yeah. You know, so anyway, but listen, the, the England game we've got a couple of games coming up over the weekend or the long weekend as it is the international break we're going to chat about this in a little bit Russ you know but I think we're going to have to go to the the ads in a little bit we'll go to the ads a little bit we'll take a little bit of a break then after that we'll come back and we'll talk Inga Lund <laughs> Love Sport this is the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle and the guys from Besotted. Now we're going to be talking more England, of course. England playing Bulgaria at Wembley on Saturday and then Kosovo in Southampton on Tuesday, of course, in that Euro 2020 qualifier. We've got Russell on the line from the Three Lines podcast. We're going to be talking about the fact that Mason Mount and Tyrone Mings have both been called up to this England squad. They were both playing in the Championship last season. Should, the question we're asking, England be calling up Championship players earlier to their squads. Russell, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, these players are obviously capable, um, like you, you, Mings and Mount, as you just said, were playing, uh, be it for, for Villa on loan last season in the Championships and, and Mount for Derby and, and doing exceptionally well. So it does sort of make you think, why Why all of a sudden, four games into a, a, a Premier League season, are they now suitable when they weren't suitable playing championship football last season and and there's obviously a, a plenty of players in in the same position um it does make you wonder what why you can't necessarily be a championship player and be in the england team when when clearly you can be uh, i mean but they're obviously the under 21 team does feature a, a few of the the championship players um, but but not so much of the the senior team. It's it's a bit of a strange one. It is a strange one. I mean, talking about you know under twenty one players and Brentford goalkeeper Ellery Balcom actually has got a call up to the England under twenty one team as well, which is uh, which is really good for us as well. The, the ironic thing is that it looks like he's a third place goalkeeper at the time, so we don't quite know how that fits in with the whole setup. But still, we're still proud we've got an England under twenty one keeper. But um, just coming back to your point there, I mean, 
it's interesting Tammy Abraham actually didn't get a shout out as well and Tammy Abraham scored you know more goals than uh, than 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 most of uh, you know the players in 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 this whole year actually to be quite honest with you I mean Tammy Abraham in this year scored 30 goals across the two seasons 30 goals across the two seasons you know Harry Kane scored 16 Raheem Scorling scored 22 Callum Wilson 15 Marcus Rashford 12 okay you're not comparing in between one and the other but it's interesting that he didn't get a call up and I'm just wondering again if there's a there's a, a bit of sort of kind of Premier League snobbery that still goes on with England where they they won't go down to the two to the levels that other countries might go down to prime example is Wales Wales picked Chris Meppham who played for us he basically came out of our B team and before you know it he's in our B team he's in the Wales squad he's he's um, roommates with Gareth Bale and then all of a sudden they said you're going to be a key player for us before you know it 30 games later he's transferred to Bournemouth and he's a key player for Bournemouth and now he's a big key player for Wales and he's going to be even better bigger and better but they snapped him up early and also there was what's it Harry Wilson Harry, wasn't it? yeah Harry Wilson who was on loan at Derby last season uh, and has now been loaned out to Bournemouth this season again that progression that he's shown uh, and then they get they got him in early and he's scoring I think he's already scored two or three goals for, for the as a Wales international and I think that I think I do agree with your point Bill that there is a bit of Premier League snobbery I'd call I'd say that there's a slight myth surrounding the gap between the championship and the premiership there are some unbelievable uh, prospects in the English prospects in the championship but I do believe that um, and it's maybe not down to the manager and it's maybe not down to a scouting network but there is that sort of that general ethos and mindset that, that your players have to have been playing in the premiership in order to make it international level particularly with the England setup. Yeah and, and as you know Russ as well it's always, there's always been a little bit of question mark about this in the centre of the park or the centre of defence as well for England as well I mean it's interesting that Tyrone Mings has come in and, and a player that was also questioned for that role as well as James Tarkowski who's an ex-Brentford player who came from us the Brentford staff always knew that he's going to play for England at some stage so they actually put a big clause in his contract so he get paid more if he does and he looks like he could be sniffing around within the next couple of years but you know as we're as we're you know we move into this tournament um, Russell we're moving into the next stage of qualification I mean what are your thoughts on on the squad and you know and 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 the and the, and the players coming through um, you know for the for, for the for this next stage of the qualification for for, for England well I think um I think that if we get these these next two games, if we get six points out of this, this we've got an opportunity pretty much, and we're we're done and dusted and through. And I think after that, it will give the opportunity for the Gareth Southgate to bring in some sort of blood, some newer players, uh, the the likes that he's doing now for Mason Mount and, and Mings. Um, and if he does that, then I think we are. Uh, we can experience some more blood than me in another future. It's going to look good, I think, for England. Yeah, I mean, even when, when Basaka is getting his first uh, first call up as well. Interestingly, he was at Palace beforehand, and but he doesn't get the call up till he's at Man United. But again, he's quite a young, exciting prospect there as well. Um, the, and and. The interesting one, Ashley Barnes, though, he scored a fair few goals for Burnley, but, you know, overlooked slightly uh, unfashionable side there as well. You know, but again, you can't get them, cram them all into the side. But, I mean, you know, and interestingly, the Ox is back as well. The Ox, the Ox, Oxley chamberlain like, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, quite a few little interesting changes going on there, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, Oxley chamberlain I think, has, has always been one of Gareth Southgate's sort of go-to players when, when he's been fit and ready. Um, and he's, he's picked, as you say, there's only 20, 23, 25 spaces that are available for um, the players to be picked. And so he's not going to change it around too much. So I think what he's brought in, like the, the three players from what was a, a pretty dismal under-21 summer, um, he's given them the opportunity to come through. We couldn't, I don't think you can give too many players to come through. I mean, they'll, they'll get their chance for this squad. And then the next squad... Uh, there may be another 
two players come in. Uh, it's all just Gareth having a look at these players and, and seeing not what they're like on the pitch, but also sort of monitoring them what they're like off the pitch as well, how they get on around the uh, the more senior players. Yeah, which is a very important thing. And obviously, like I said, qualifier for the European Championships this is. Um, I think it's very important, I suppose, for us to point out because, I mean, you travel a lot to see England play. I travel a lot to see England play. So it's second nature for us. But talking to a lot of my friends, a lot of them don't actually realise that this European Championships, which is um, coming in 2020, which is going to be all over Europe, in effect, you know, when, and we've got to say this, when England qualify, it's going to be a home banker for England. Basically, pretty much all the matches are going to be in England. So, it's, when, it's going to hit people big time next year, isn't it? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, just with I think the way I've read it, we've definitely got two games at Wembley in the group stage with a possible, I say possible, trip to Scotland. Bearing uh, seeing how they uh, materialise, if we finish top of that group, we're only hopping across um, the water to Dublin. Then we've got a. Uh, this is all hypothetical. Uh, win that, we go to Rome. But then the semi-final and the final are both being played at Wembley so there is four games four home games probably five um, in the European or five uh, in the European Championships uh, I mean and look back what happened in previous home European Championships for us we all know about 66 and 96 and this is this is going to be one of our best opportunities to uh, to equal that I think so very exciting so we could listen yeah. Russ I'm going to catch up with you in the next uh, I'll probably catch up with you Saturday actually for a few beers well, I look forward to it. Yeah, nice Love. one, mate. Okay, Cheers, thanks, Russ. Russ. Thank you, Russell. Thank you. That was Russell Osborne of the Three Lions podcast. Right, before we go, Billy, you've got some plugs. The only plug is prideofwest.london is our podcast out on Thursday night, uh, Thursday morning, hopefully, um, because it's international week. We get a little bit lazy sometimes, so it might be Friday, it might be Thursday, it might be Wednesday, but it'll be Thursday morning, 7 o'clock. We'll try for that. But other than that, it's all good. Lovely stuff. This has been the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport with Besotted. Thank you, Robin Hood. Thank you very much. Thank you, Billy the B Grant. Um, thank you very much. Thank we you, will Matt. see you next Monday at 8 p.m. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.